Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. It's good to be home. (laughs) It's great to see you guys. I don't know if that sounds great. Um, I was going to say, I was thinking about how I was going to start. I I was going to say, this is the first time I've had my pants on all summer. (laughs) And I thought, maybe I don't want to say it like that. Maybe I want to say this is the first time I've worn jeans all summer. Um, But uh, I did email and I said, hey, Rob, I'm, I'm coming with shorts. And he responded, no, you're not. So uh, I'm glad that my brother is with me and that he wore jeans as well. Let's give it up for Pastor Rob. I love this man. We're going to be in a couple areas of Scripture, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. As well, I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then you're also going to want to be in... John chapter 7. So I'll say it one more time. Acts chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then John chapter 7. Now, I'm going to be in several other areas of Scripture tonight. If you would like to um, turn to those areas, you're more than welcome to. Otherwise, you can just listen as I read it for you. Um, Let me say, um, we are living in strange times. Um, I, I would really rather prefer to see your faces And I don't know about you, but when I'm singing with the mask on, it keeps sliding down my face. So I already feel claustrophobic with the thing on. And I like to clap for you because you have to keep it on the whole time. (laughs) And we're living in a different era. Orange County is much different than L.A. County. So I wanted to find out what are the rules and regulations coming up here. And um, I am grateful to be here with you guys, even though I can't see all of your faces. Um, Know that I love you, not just your eyes. I love all of you and that we get to be able to be here together. As well, um, you guys remember uh, Pastor Zach Patterson. He's with me tonight. So thankful for him. Uh, He came along with me from Fort Lauderdale, and he's now the executive pastor at Coast Hills Church, and so super grateful for him. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer to prepare our hearts for what he has to say for us this evening. Savior, your word is powerful. We stand on it. We live by it. It endures forever. And so as we learn your word, would you give us spiritual ears to hear? I pray that you would give, open up our minds and spirit. Would you minister to our minds and our hearts and that the word of God would change us? as we desire to be more and more like you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we all said, Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 3. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, and I've underlined this in my Bible, after he through the Holy Spirit, key phrase for Luke, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen, I've underlined that as well, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, I want to catch you up. I know your pastor has gone through the book of Acts, but just as a brief summary to help you understand, Luke is the writer. And we know from Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, that Paul affectionately referred to Luke as the beloved physician, a well-educated man. He knew how to do his research. He knew how to put a paper together. He was educated in a Greco-Roman world to the highest level of being a physician. We've got a really, really smart guy. And being the smart guy that he was, he decided to write two books, two volumes. The first we know is the gospel according to Luke. And 
while he was writing that book, being the intelligent man that he was, he knew that he would be writing the second volume as he was traveling with Paul. So Acts is the second part of a two-part volume. In the first volume, the Gospel according to Luke, Luke took the time, he made the research, he interviewed Mary, he interviewed John Mark and Peter, he interviewed the disciples as he traveled along with Paul. You see, he was a Gentile, he didn't understand the Old Testament, he came to understand it as he did his research. And so in his first volume, he wrote how Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God and how he lived through the power of the Spirit. In Luke chapter 1, he would write that he was born of the Spirit, that the one inside Mary's womb would be called the Son of God, born of the Spirit. Just like us, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are born again, born of the Spirit. Jesus, once again, setting an example in Luke chapter 3, he would be baptized, and the Spirit of God would descend upon him Much in the same way, in the first church of Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God would descend on those when the day of Pentecost had come. And then in Luke chapter 4, we see there in verse 1 that Jesus, filled with the Spirit, Luke is very careful to write that phrase in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Luke, he said, Jesus, who was filled of the Spirit... He was communicating here in Luke's gospel how Jesus lived, how Jesus led, how Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. This is why when Peter was trying to explain Jesus to Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he would say how God anointed, how God empowered Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's how he would explain Jesus to Cornelius. But then there's a second volume. We know it is the book of Acts. Oh, while the first volume was Jesus setting an example of what it means when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power, oh, it would be the second volume that he would use the first volume, Jesus showing the example of how the disciples lived with the power of the Holy Spirit. Looking back at Acts chapter 1, take a look at verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus. I love this about Luke. I need to let you know Luke had no idea that you'd be reading the gospel according to Luke or the book of Acts. He had no idea. To Luke, the only thing that was important to him was one man, Theophilus. You see, Jesus had made a commissioning statement. He had made a command to go into all the world and make disciples, and Luke took that seriously. So much so that he was willing to put all of his time, energy, and effort to disciple one man, O Theophilus. Even with this phrase, O, like Jesus would use O in marveling at the centurion's faith in Matthew chapter 8. It was a a Greek term to give honor to someone, O Theophilus. He would take all of this time, 28 chapters, all of the research to disciple one human being. Now, Theophilus, his name was most likely given to him. You see, Theophilus means the friend of God. And if you remember, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, you're Simon, I know who I'm getting. You will be Cephas, I know what I'm gonna make you. And as his practice of the first church, they followed the example of Jesus. So let me give you a name, Joseph. Now you may go, now who is that? Oh, but he was given the name Barnabas. Now you know who he is. You see, Joseph was his given name. Barnabas became his Christian name. In our modern context, our middle names used to be called our Christian name. It was a second name that was given to us from our parents a long time ago in the Christian world to where it was a name that they would hope that you would become. Maybe it was like their father, or maybe it was like a hero in the Christian faith. My name, Chet Arthur. That's my name, Arthur. And I love that name because it's my grandfather's name. And my parents wanted me to be like my grandfather. So they gave me one name and gave me my Christian name in hopes that when I grew older, that I would be just like my grandfather. Well, Theophilus, he was given a name. 
And his name was the friend of God. And I love that. I'm going to read you a scripture. You don't need to turn there. It's John 15, 15. I want you to write it in your notes. Listen to what Jesus said. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I've made known to you. You see, Theophilus was a man who was a friend of God. He wanted to know everything there was about God. He was hungry for the word of God. This is why Luke was feeding him with all of this research and with all of this information about the life of Jesus and about the life of the first church because Theophilus was a friend of God. He wanted to know everything there was about God. In fact, he was in church every Sunday. He was at every event. But remember, this book of Acts was written to one person. Luke, being as smart as he was, he didn't tell every story about the first church. He told the stories that he believed Theophilus needed to hear. You see, as hungry as Theophilus was, as the friend of God, wanting to know something more about God, there was, seemed to be something missing in Theophilus' life that Luke was trying to get across to him. We see the evidence of it in Acts chapter 19. In Acts 19, he tells the story about Paul going into the church in Ephesus. And when he walks into the church, Paul goes, um, I've been here for a little while now, and that's a Chet ad lib. I'm sorry about that. But he's been there for some time, and he says, have you guys heard of the Holy Spirit? Just letting that question settle for just a minute. Because I would never want anyone to walk into Calvary Chapel, South Bay, and ask that question. Because Paul was looking at the church and realized something was missing. The church, they knew of God, they knew of Jesus, but they were lacking power. Maybe they were lacking the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. So much so, Paul was impressed to say to this church, "Um, have you guys heard of the Holy Spirit? And Luke knew that Theophilus needed that story. Because as hungry as he was for the word of God, there seemed to be something missing in Theophilus' life that Luke was trying to get across in the entirety of the book of Acts. He made it clear in the first volume. Oh, you remember? Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free. And we see when the Spirit of God came upon Jesus, he was preaching the gospel and he was practicing the gospel. No wonder it's called the book of Acts in the second volume. You see, the book of Acts, Acts means praxis in Greek. It means practices. So Jesus, he announces in Luke chapter 4, I've come to preach and I've come to practice what I've preached. And Luke takes from Luke 4 and he names it Acts, the practices of the Holy Spirit in the life of the disciples. So powerful was Jesus' example of being filled with the Spirit of God, preaching and practicing that the disciples, they look at his life. And in Luke chapter 11, they see that he's coming from prayer. And they're looking at their own lives. And they're looking at the life of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 11, they say to him, Jesus, um, could you teach us how to pray? Because I don't know if we have the kind of life that you have. And it seems to be connected to prayer. So we would like to have the life that you have. You know, the whole walking on water thing, feeding the 5,000. There's something supernatural about you. Could you teach us how to talk to God like that? Because however God is blessing you, we want that kind of power. Jesus, he answers him and says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He tells a story about a man that was begging for his friend to help him out. And he ends the story with this in Luke chapter 11. He ends the story and he says this. If you be evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit 
when you ask him. Let that settle for just a minute. If you being evil, ooh, Jesus and hashtag me too culture, don't call people evil. He says this, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? Remember, Luke wrote that. He's discipling Theophilus. And so in his second volume, as he continues to disciple Theophilus, oh, in Acts chapter 1, he goes straight to the heart of the matter by revealing in the resurrected Jesus the most important thing that we should see. Would you look at me? I asked you to underline it in verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up after he underlined this through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Spirit before the resurrection. Jesus is filled with the Spirit after the resurrection. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And what Luke is doing... He's detailing what the resurrection looked like, the resurrection life looked like in Jesus is the same resurrection life that should look like in us. And the key phrase of the resurrected life in Jesus Christ is through the Holy Spirit. I want you to say that with me. Through the Holy Spirit. Gang, I know we're in COVID, but you can talk. Let's go for it. <laughs> say it with me. Through the Holy Spirit. That is is the resurrected life. Jesus set the example of that life in Luke's gospel, volume one. Jesus taught to ask for the Holy Spirit in that resurrected life. In fact, it would be Luke chapter 24. Remember, he's discipling Theophilus. He says in Luke chapter 24, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Listen to the teaching of Jesus. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the power from on high. And what Luke does in these first three verses of Acts chapter 1, we begin to see the evidence of what the Spirit-filled life looked like in Jesus in the resurrected life. And I want you to write down on your notes the evidence of the Spirit in my life. And we're going to see it in the example of Jesus as we go through Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, because these three things that are evidenced in the life of Jesus was the evidence of the wind of the Spirit blowing Jesus like a Cat 5 hurricane. Everybody could see it. Look down to verse 3, if you would. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, another without a shadow of a doubt, I asked you to underline it, being seen by them. It was evident that in the resurrected life of Jesus, without a shadow of a doubt, that he was operating through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Number one, I want you to write it down. We can see it there in verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up after he threw the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles. Write it down. Through the Holy Spirit. Number one, through the Holy Spirit, he gave commandments. Through the Holy Spirit, he gave commandments. Now, I'm going to catapult us all the way to Acts chapter 10, verse 42. And keep your finger in Acts chapter 1. Now, I didn't tell you about this one, but I'm not cheating because we're still in the book of Acts. So go all the way with me to Acts chapter 10. Peter, once again, is in front of Cornelius, a Gentile. He's trying to describe Jesus to the Gentile Cornelius. And he takes us all the way back to Acts chapter 1, this very moment, to a direction and the commandments that Jesus gave in Acts chapter 1. Look with me, if you would, Acts chapter 1, verse 42. And he commanded us, remember, Jesus through the Holy Spirit gave commandments, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Did you read that? 
Go back with me to Acts chapter 1. Remember, through the Holy Spirit, he gave commandments to the apostles. Peter now reveals to us the conversation. He allows us to be a fly on the wall to hear the commandment that Jesus was giving the disciples. I want you to, here's the commandment, preach the gospel. Sound familiar? It's the mission of the church. It's Mark chapter 16, verse 15 preach the gospel. He goes on to expound it. And though Peter doesn't give us all of the commandments, he's just making a summary to Cornelius. We also know that Jesus gave another command and it was to go and make disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. Gang, let me tell you something. The mission of the church, the simple mission is to preach the gospel and to make disciples. And I wonder, 20, in the 21st century, have we forgotten the mission of the church? And I wonder, is COVID possibly something that God is doing to wake the church, to shake the church? Maybe it's possible that he canceled Easter. Maybe it's possible that he said, I don't like the way you're doing Easter anymore. Maybe he said, I don't know if I'm into the Good Friday thing the way that you guys are doing it in the 21st century. Maybe it's quite possible that the Lord is trying to get our attention. And like Paul said to the church in Ephesus, wake you who sleep and Christ will give you life. Amen? Amen? Now, I know COVID didn't take your voices. Amen. Amen. The mission of the church is to preach the gospel and make disciples. And maybe the Lord is just getting us back to the real mission. Maybe the Lord is just getting us to go knock on our neighbor's door and say, Do you know Jesus? Maybe the Lord is just getting us back on the mission because it is through the Spirit that the church will complete the mission. Listen to what Jesus said. As the Father sent me, so I... You know it better than me because your pastor is a great teacher. As the Father sent me, so I send you... The first church, they took it seriously, and they didn't care what came their way. They didn't care if they got kicked out of a country. They didn't care if they got jailed. They didn't care if they got whooped. In fact, Peter does. He goes back to the church in Acts chapter 4, and you know what they say? Lord, I pray that you protect us from getting whooped again. No! They were serious about the mission, and Peter prays, give us boldness. Give us the power of the Spirit to go back in and preach the gospel and make disciples. They were serious about the mission. And gang, just like Jesus, we can only accomplish the mission through the power of the Spirit. We can only accomplish the mission through the gifts of the Spirit. We can only accomplish the mission through the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus Let that wind blow all over you and show us through the Spirit as you give us the command. Preach the gospel and make disciples. Number two, I want you to write it down. Take a look as we continue on. Not only through the Holy Spirit, he had given commandments to the apostles whom he chosen, but verse three, through the Spirit to whom he also presented himself alive after his many sufferings. Number two, I want you to write it down. Through the Spirit, he presented himself alive. They saw him undeniably. Without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is alive. He's not dead. Amen? Um, You are welcome to clap. COVID will not prevent you from that. And I want you to know... We don't just need to say that statement in Easter. We're supposed to say it and be a witness of the resurrection every day of our life. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. 
we sing it, we think about it, we pray about it, we believe it. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. Now, I am sorry, but every time I see sickly Jesus on a crucifix, it saddens me. He's not on the cross. He's gone. And I see these crucifixes, and Jesus is kind of hanging there, and he just looks dead. He's not dead. Jesus is alive. But I oftentimes think, like the news, maybe not so much Fox News, a lot of CNN, but maybe not so much Fox. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Really, I'm joking. Mostly. Sometimes we like bad news. Sometimes we tend to focus on bad news. Sometimes in the midst of COVID, we get stuck because life is not normal anymore. And I, I, I'm tired of people saying we're in a new normal. Is it possible that Jesus is catapulting us into the newness of life? Let me explain. You see, he says he presented himself alive after his many sufferings. And I think we sometimes get stuck on the sufferings. Jesus knew he would die, but he didn't focus on the death. No, three times he told the disciples that he would rise from the dead. Crucifixion for Jesus was just a path to the resurrection. Paul describes it like this, and I think he does such a great job to help us understand this, that Jesus presented himself alive, not dead, okay? He, Paul does a great job. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, through the Spirit, he says, be a good soldier. Let me tell you about a good soldier. A good soldier goes through boot camp so that when they face the enemy, they can conquer him. That's what a good soldier does. They're willing to torture their body to go through a boot camp because when they get on the battlefield, they want to win. Then Paul goes, be a strong athlete. Let me tell you something. I was a swimmer all through high school and college. Whatever my coach put me through, whatever training it was, whatever practice it was, I was willing to go through it because I wanted to win the race. And then Paul says this, be a hardworking farmer. And he says, I want you to be a hardworking farmer so that you can have a good crop. You see, the process is not our focus. The hardship, the COVID, it's not our focus, but the result of what God is doing in the hardship. Paul, he, he would write the church and he would say, we are more than conquerors. Do you believe that? But you know what he said before he said that? He said this, shall persecutions... Shall tumults, shall stripes separate us from the love of God? And you know why he wrote that? Because the, the Christians were being beaten. The Christians, their homes were being taken away from them. The Christians, they were being lit up on posts. As Nero would drive by and go, you call yourself the light of the world. Well, shine for Jesus as he burned them alive. Paul said, Shall any of that separate me from the love of God? No, he says. We're more than conquerors. We're not looking at the process. We're looking at the victory. We're not looking at what we're walking through. We're trusting the result that God has for us. Peter, he would say this. I, I, I'll read it for you. I want you to write it in your notes. It's 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll read it for you. Listen to what he says in verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. When my daughter was eight years old, we had prayer time, and she started praying, asking for the devil's salvation. And I asked her after the prayer, why would you want the devil to be saved? I'm not sure that's possible. She said, Dad, because if the devil's saved, there wouldn't be any more problems in the world. And I thought, sweetie, you keep praying. <laughs> Have you ever wondered, like, God, could you just wipe out the devil? I mean, that would really be helpful. Let me tell you who the devil is. He's God's drill sergeant. He's just using the enemy in your life to make you strong. 
He's allowing the process. He's allowing the attack like a coach to an athlete, like a farmer to a crop, like a soldier to a boot camp because he wants you to walk through the process to make you strong. So Peter would go on telling the church, resist him. Stand fast, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now listen, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while. I'm going to read that again. Suffering's the will of God. After you've suffered a while, that he'll perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To God be the glory. With a man just two days ago, a good dear friend of mine from our church, and he said to me, I never pray for the health of my children. I don't pray for the health or the wealth of my life. I ask, come what may, God be glorified in whatever you choose to have me walk through. And I listened to the maturity of this man, inspired, exhorted, and encouraged because he had the attitude of Paul. Paul would say, turn there, I ask you to be there. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to the perspective of Paul. He didn't look at the process, he trusted in the result. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 16. Therefore we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Wow. We don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul took his eyes off the process, given to the lions, left alone by himself, falsely accused, stoned to death. He took his eye off the process and he chose to look towards eternity. Gang, sometimes we focus on the wrong thing. Jesus did not present himself dead. Through the Spirit, he presented himself alive. Say alive. alive. Oh, you even said it alive. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Say it again. Alive. In the back, I can't hear you. There we go. I think Jeff heard you. Alive. Let me tell you about the kind of alive that Jesus operated in. Turn with me, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. You see, in speaking of being filled with the Holy Spirit, in speaking of doing life through the Spirit, listen to what Jesus said in regard to the Spirit. Verse 38. John chapter 7, verse 38. He who believes in me, there's the first step. You've got to believe in Jesus in order to operate through the Spirit. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers and abundance of living water. Rivers. I had the opportunity with my wife a few weeks ago to go to a waterfall. And it was a bunch of rivers that were coming together and rivers of water. I mean, it just was torrential. So much so, I put a bucket under the water And when I put the bucket under the waterfall, my hand almost came out of my socket. I had to pull the bucket out because of the rivers of living water that was coming down out of this waterfall. It's power, man. That's what he's speaking of. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Power will flow out of him when you're filled with the Spirit of God. You see, this is why Jesus called the Christian life The abundant life. Because the abundant life is the expression of rivers of living water. Abundance of water, living water flowing out of you. And when we let the rivers of living water flow through us, we are choosing to walk in the abundant life. We see in the life of the disciples... We see how they were alive. Listen, these were disciples who went from fear to faith. It was Peter who was terrified, said no, he'd never been with Jesus to a little girl. They 
hid in the upper room. Only after being filled with the Spirit did he walk out to the very people that crucified Jesus and say, you crucified him. Now you need to believe in him. Fear to faith, man. He was alive. They went from natural to supernatural. You remember as they're walking to the gate called beautiful. And here is Peter. He's got the gift of to give healing to someone. And he looks at the man who's a beggar and goes, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. They went from natural to supernatural, man. They're alive. They went from ordinary, just ordinary men to extraordinary. They adventured around the world. They left Jerusalem. They went to India. They went to Europe. They went all over the world. They went from ordinary men to extraordinary men. And Paul, he went from murder to minister. Tell you something. Who's going to come to church like this? Just imagine if I got up here, okay? The former account I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive. Jesus is alive. How many of us live our Christian life like that, man? How many of us live our Christian life like I read Acts chapter 1? We're struggling in our faith. We're struggling to be supernatural, extraordinary. We're struggling to move from the murderer to the minister. And I would say this. Jesus, through the Spirit, he presented himself alive, not dead. Jesus, through the Spirit, presented himself alive. And if you're in the midst of that struggle, well, your faith looks more like a flatliner than as someone who's extraordinary. Maybe you've quenched the Spirit. And maybe tonight it's a time to go to him and confess sin. Maybe it's a time not that you've quenched him, but you've never taken a step of faith and asked him, would you please give me the power of the Holy Spirit and follow through with what Jesus taught the disciples in Luke chapter 11. Through the Spirit, he presented himself alive, not dead. Finally, number three, I want you to write it down. Through the Spirit... Through the Spirit, continuing to read on, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, look at this, through the Spirit, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Write this down, number three. Through the Spirit, he spoke the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Through the Spirit, he spoke the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Gang, Jesus taught the word in season and out of season. In fact, it's Luke chapter 24. And we begin to understand what was happening during the 40 days that Jesus was on earth after the resurrection. The Bible says he explained to the disciples in Luke chapter 24, his life in Moses the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 24 that Jesus opened their minds to the Scripture. Let me tell you what Jesus was doing with his disciples. In speaking, that's called a pregnant pause. I was just waiting for you to... I'm, I'm kidding. I was wondering if the Lord wanted to say something when the helicopter came by. I don't think that was a Holy Spirit interruption. I think that was something other, but let's keep, keep going. Jesus was putting the disciples through 40 days training. He gave them an expositional study, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. He went through the whole Old Testament and he was teaching them over 40 days everything about him in Scripture. Let me tell you something. There was nothing better for these guys than Jesus Christ University. He taught them the word. Let me tell you why he taught them the word. Because the word of God stands forever. 
finish that with me, the Word of God stands forever. The Word of God is what we stand on. The Word of God is what we stand for, period. Let me tell you, Jesus, he set the example. You remember, it's the Garden of Gethsemane. And the soldiers had come for Jesus. Peter, thinking that he was a swordsman and he was a fisherman, he goes to, I'm sure, cut off Malchus's head. He misses, gets his ear. And Peter says, put your sword, or Jesus says, put your sword away. Listen carefully to what he said next in Matthew 26. Scripture must be fulfilled in my life. You see, Jesus not only taught the word, he lived the word. And he lived the word at all cost. Didn't matter if he lost his job. Didn't matter if he lost his paycheck. Didn't matter if he lost a loved one. Didn't matter if family moved out of California. Didn't matter if COVID came or not. Jesus refused to compromise at the heartache, hardship of his life. He looks at Peter and he says, Scripture's got to be fulfilled in my life. I'm going to that cross, man. I know my fate, and I know where I'm headed, and I am purposed to do whatever it is that God said I should do. The best advice that anybody ever gave anybody was married to the servants when she said to him, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And what an incredible word for us. But do we believe his word? Do we trust his word? Do we rely on his word without compromise? Gang, through the spirit, he spoke the word. And through the spirit, the word of God has got to be in us the same way. Paul, he would write the church, write Timothy in 2 Timothy. He goes, you got to know it, man. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show yourself approved. A workman who will not be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. you got to know it, Timothy. It's got to be in your heart. And then he would say in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that the Scripture is useful. you got to use it, Timothy. And the only way you can use Scripture is when you know Scripture. And just because you're personally hurt doesn't mean you won't turn the other cheek, Timothy. And just because you don't feel like going the second mile, you choose to do it, Timothy, because his word says to. You see, if you study it, then you can use it. And then Paul would write the church and he would say in Ephesians chapter 1, I pray that the Spirit would enlighten you. And that's why at the beginning of my Bible study, I asked the Spirit of God, give us spiritual ears. Because it's only through the Spirit we can hear what the Spirit has to say. That's why when Jesus was writing the church, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. And what he's saying is, put on your spiritual ears when you come to a Bible study. You've got to pray for it. Then you have to trust it. You have to trust the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. See, through the Spirit, Jesus spoke and he lived the Word. And he's showing for us what the resurrected life looks like. He's showing for us the Spirit-filled life. You see, the Spirit-filled life is not simply coming to church, standing up, raising your hands. Now, I, we had a worship night last night and I was kind of poking fun at the swayers. You know what I'm talking about. The swayers are the ones that do this. And I was talking about, wait a second, I'm getting to my point. The swayers are like, they're the ones like this. And then you got the, I'm not raising my handers. They're like this. Then you got the, I really want to raise my hander, but I, it's like, I can't get it up. I don't know why I can't. And then you've got like the really holy people. They sway, hands are up, and they're like kumbaya. I mean, like this is holiness. So after I make fun of everybody, right, I, I was politically correct, I made fun of everybody, I went then and I sat, I went to go worship myself, and I found out I'm a swayer. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and as I'm singing, I'm like, oh my goodness, I just made fun of myself, I'm a swayer. 
And there's something wonderful about coming to a worship night, and I want to encourage you, like Alex said, come to the worship night. There's something emotionally spirit-filled about a worship experience. But Jesus said, you're going to see the evidence of the Spirit in someone's life. He described the Spirit like wind. And when the wind blows on a tree, you can't see the wind, but you can see what it's doing. And through the Spirit, Luke is trying to get across to one man, Theophilus, because I believe 2,000 years later, he's trying to get it across to the church. Through the Spirit, you can complete the mission. You can be bold and courageous to preach the gospel and make disciples. Through the Spirit, you can move from, I just turned 50 years old. (laughs) Yeah. It's horrific. You're clapping as if I'm happy about it. I went to go get a life insurance policy. This is tragic. I went to go get a life insurance policy. The guy told me I had to be dead in 30 years. He wouldn't give me a life insurance policy past 80. So I go home and I tell my wife, Andre, I'm going to be dead in 30 years. And she goes, well, don't get a life insurance policy. I want you alive longer than that. My daughter says, we got to celebrate every day as if it's today. And I go, Selah, what are you talking about? She goes, Dad, we need the money, man. You're a pastor. <laughs> She loves me. She was kidding. She was like, ah. You know, she, and I go, you don't sound like you're kidding. But here's the deal. I just turned 50, and I got a birthday card, and it was the renaming of the seven dwarfs. Itchy, scratchy, can't stay awakey, like, you know, for 50 years old, right? And I wonder if in the spirit I can move from mopey to minister. I can move from unhappy and angry and bitter to joyful and laughing. You see, so many Christians look dead. But Jesus, through the Spirit, presented himself alive. Number three, I believe as the wind of the Spirit blows on our life through the Spirit, we will stand solely on the Word of God. Not our feelings, not our circumstance, not our situation. We will make a decision through the Spirit and Him alone when someone forces me to go two miles. Excuse me, when someone forces me to go one mile, I will go two. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I come before you now and ask that your spirit would move in this place. And my prayer is that in this moment, we would take a step of faith, maybe recognizing we lack power like Theophilus did. We're hungry for the word, but we're lacking the power to implement it. When we want to be self-controlled, we find ourselves losing control. When we want to be joyful, we find ourselves living in misery. When we want to be loving, we find ourselves hateful and bitter. But you said we can confess our sin. And you've also said, Jesus, that we can ask for your spirit so we can change. We can be empowered. And through the spirit, you showed us what this life looks like. So now we come to you through the Spirit. And I'm going to ask, just with a simple hand raise, because we want to just be obedient to the government and not actually physically lay hands on you. If you want to ask for the power of the Spirit in your life tonight, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Just keep your hand up as an act of surrender to God. I'm just letting the Spirit move. 
his hands. I see non-hand raisers wanting to raise their hands. So you feel wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So just raise your hand. Yeah, see your hand. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Our hands are lifted in surrender and obedience to your word, which says all we have to do is ask the Father, would you give us the power of the Spirit? So right now, and you ask, would you give us, Father, the power of your Spirit? Ask him. Lift up holy hands and ask him, Father, empower me with your Spirit. Empower us with your Spirit. I pray for every person who humbly has lifted up their hands, asking to be filled with the Spirit, that their lives would be changed tonight, that you'd move, that their hate would turn to love, their misery to joy, their worry to peace, their quitting to long-suffering, their meanness to kindness. Lord, I pray, move. I pray that you'd give them gifts of the Spirit that they don't even know they have. Gifts of teaching, I pray over this body. Gifts of miracles, I pray over this body. Gifts of healing, I pray over this body. I pray that you would gift them in the supernatural. And Father, I pray that you'd bring unity by the gifts of the Spirit. power, your fruits, your gifts, we ask, rain down on a spirit, a flow, that we might be a conduit of the living water. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.